Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in to the College Football Recruiting Show alongside Blair and Gulo. I'm Emily Proud and T minus 49 days until signing day and things are starting to get a little bit clearer. So let's hit the headlines. Five-star athlete and five-star freak Nicholas Harbour won't have to go far for a December visit to Maryland. But Blair, this isn't just a courtesy to his home school. No, it's not, Emily. The Terps are firmly in the mix to keep Nicholas Harbour close to home. Michigan has a lot of buzz as well, and it sounds like Harbour wants to get down to LSU for an official visit. It's never been to Baton Rouge before, so this could be one of the more fascinating battles to monitor down the stretch. All right, the Gators left with a gaping hole at corner when Cormani McLean shocked the recruiting world late last week by choosing Miami. Florida lost the number one corner in the class, but will host the number three in Desmond Ricks next month. How bad does Billy Napier need this win? Very badly, considering the Cormani McLean lost to Miami, right? Steve Wolfong reported earlier today that Desmond Ricks intends to be at LSU this weekend for a closer look at the Tigers. And considering that Ricks uh, recently reclassified to the 2023 class, he's now become an even more important target for the Gators. All right, top 24-7 D lineman Caden McDonald announcing his commitment last night. The Georgia native will be a Buckeye. McDonald had all sorts of suitors, so why Ohio State? One word, and it's that it's development, right? With defensive line coach Larry Johnson and, and the guys that he puts into the NFL, uh, he's obviously one of the best recruiters in the country, but also one of the better developers of talent. Uh, that gave the Buckeyes the edge over a number of schools. And Caden McDonald is a significant win for Ohio State, a big and nimble defensive line prospect that can make an impact early in his college career. All right, major news in the college football world dropping yesterday. Brian Harson officially out as head coach of the Auburn Tigers. Now, as with any coach firing, there are recruiting impacts. So let's talk about him with our staff writer for the 24-7 Sports Auburn site, Jason Caldwell. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Auburn's recruiting under Harson hasn't been all that spectacular. They're currently last in the SEC for the 2023 class, so it'll take a whole lot more than that to compete at the level they want to. So in your eyes, why wasn't Harson able to find success in recruiting? Yeah, I think it's you know a number of different things. I think when you look at it, um, coming in from Boise State, coming to to Auburn and to the Southeastern Conference, it, it's absolutely a different world. And and you know just because you can win and recruit at Boise State, it, 
it's a, a completely different animal in the same state with Alabama, with Georgia as your major rival and, and next door to you, a team that you play every year, Clemson, now Tennessee, LSU, you know, the Mississippi schools coming on, Florida State, Florida, the list goes on and on. It's just a different world. And, you know, when you talk about what it takes to succeed at that level and to succeed and in, in recruit against those teams, it is a never-ending 365 a day a year, 24-7 cycle. And, and um, that's hard to know until you've been in it before. And and while Parson was at Texas, that's still not being at Auburn. It's it's a little bit easier. And and, and you got kind of people coming to you at Texas. At Auburn, you got to go get them. And you can get them on campus, and it's a big deal. But just not enough of that to, to make it a, a everyday thing for, for Ryan Harson. Yeah, a lot of obstacles, right? You mentioned the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Tennessees, even Clemson and, and LSU programs that are recruiting at a very heavy clip. Uh, what are the difficulties right now, aside from that, when you are recruiting at Auburn as the head coach? Yeah, you know, I think I think that's the biggest thing is is this is still a place that will sell itself. When you think about Auburn, getting kids on campus, I mean, even with everything that's going on, you look at, at, at this class and they've got some quality players. There's just not enough of them. The numbers is, is probably the biggest thing. And you look right down the, right down the road right now, you've got James Smith and Quay Russell, two five-star players that are 30 minutes away in Montgomery, guys that have been on campus four times for games this fall. That's even with all the issues going on with Brian Harson and his staff. And so you look at the state of Alabama alone, there's 22 four-star and five-star prospects in the state. But right now, Auburn only has three commitments out of the top 35 players. So if you know, it just starts at home. It's, it's relationships. It's doing those things to be successful, things that you have to do at Auburn. All right, let's look ahead. The early signing period, about seven weeks away. So how quickly does Auburn need to make a hire to salvage the 2023 class? Yeah, you look at, at, at now the month of December has become D-Day in reality for, for college football programs, whether you make a move or not, when you start talking about not only early signing period, but the transfer portal. And those are two things that you can use to get back on your feet in a hurry. I mean, all you got to do is point to Knoxville, Tennessee, and, and look at, at what Tennessee's done in two years. They lost a boatload of players replaced them with some key guys, developed depth on the line of scrimmage, and boom, the right fit makes it work immediately. And so that's the thing if you're if you're Auburn. It's a matter of you know quickly, as early as you can in the month of December, being ready to move and to move forward in a hurry because those two things, that, that signing period and that transfer portal, can get you back in position much, much quicker than it was in the past. Jason, I'm a West Coast guy, so I knew who Brian Harson was. But I think when that hire was made from a national perspective, there were a lot of question marks, right? Would he have the connections? Would he be able to recruit in the South? Would he be able to win some of those notable recruiting battles? Now, before we get into specific candidates, what are the characteristics that the next Auburn head coach needs to be an effective recruiter? Yeah, I think you mentioned one of those things. You mentioned um, relationships. This is Auburn's a relationship place. And um, when you start talking about relationships with high school coaches, you, you don't have to get very far from Auburn, Alabama, in terms of a circle to find a bunch of good football players. And a lot of times that means knowing high school coaches, building relationships with those guys, you know, being at camps, doing those things. And um, that's, that's it's laying the groundwork. And you look right now and I would say, in, especially in, in football, basketball, baseball, three major sports, um, the majority of the good teams that Auburn's had in history have been built by kids from Alabama, Florida, Georgia. I mean, that's just the way it's always been. You recruit those states successfully, you can be successful. The next, the next coach for Auburn has to hit those states really hard. And you, like you said earlier, 
got to be able to win some battles against Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, so now begins search season. Season. We know it's important to have those SEC connections. They've hired a new athletic director with blatant SEC connections, and our own Brandon Marcello has reported that Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin is the top target to replace Harson. We've heard other names like Hugh Freeze, also an SEC connection, and Deion Sanders. So who should Auburn target to take recruiting to the next level and get back to being a national championship contender? Yeah, all, all three of those guys are, are guys that have connections in the Southeast and, and obviously are people that can go recruit. They're also people that have won. They've won at, at, at different levels. Deion right now at Jackson State. Hugh Freeze has won in Arkansas State, Ole Miss, um, now at Liberty. Lane Kiffin is a guy that is as good as anybody on a Saturday. So I think, you know, somebody like that that, that has connections in the Southeast, um, obviously those are names, and, and that's going to be a big deal is, is to go out and – kind of hit the ground running. And I mentioned that it's going to be hard to build a lot of relationships in a short time. The bigger name you get right now may be the best thing for Auburn. Yeah, we've seen, I think, in the modern college football landscape that you can rebuild a little quicker given the transfer portal, giving NIL. How much of a factor and how much of a role do you see NIL playing for this next head coach at Auburn? Yeah, I think it could be huge because uh, Auburn has done a good job of preparing for that moment. And they were prepared for that moment, you know, whether or not they made a coaching change to, to really be, be more of a player in NIL, you know, moving forward in 2023 and beyond. And so I think Auburn is, is set up to, to make a move in a big way in terms of NIL, already doing some of those things, um, even in this class right now. And you start talking about the guys on campus. Um, you know, this, this, this group has done a good job, and I think it's only continuing to grow. And when you make a coaching change, um, all of a sudden you, get, you start to get people on board. And I would expect that to continue to grow as Auburn fans realize the importance of NIL moving forward in, in, in today's college football world. Excited to see where Auburn takes this. Jason, appreciate you coming on here. It'll be a very, a very busy few months as you cover this coaching search. So keep it locked into our Auburn site on the 24-7 Sports Network for the latest on the Tigers coaching search. There is a great piece up right now about the Dion effect, a little bit more on him. One recruit saying he'd flip for primes. We'll see what happens there. Switch gears and move on to our next subject here. We are not naive enough to think the only prospects come from right here in the continental U.S. There is talent all across the world, and you're currently looking at video from a prospect camp in Germany. Looks something similar to what you'd see closer to home, so the commitment is there, but it's not easy for players to get noticed an ocean away. We are now joined by 24-7 Sports National Analysts Cooper Patagna and Greg Biggins for our latest recruiting roundtable discussion. And the topic, gentlemen, is recruiting outside the continental United States. Cooper, I'll begin with you. You just got back from Europe, fresh off your travels. What was it like to see prospects from across the pond as they're trying to make their way into college football? It was a great trip. It was a learning experience for me, my first time ever to Europe. And, and like you said, prospects from over 21 different countries, 150 prospects there, all from all over Europe. So it was a really good experience. A couple commits from Michigan, Boise State, Western Kentucky in attendance. And I think football, American football across the pond is growing exponentially. And I think as the NFL starts to get more of a consistent presence in Europe, I think football uh, is growing with that in conjunction. So it was a great experience for me and, and definitely something uh, I, I think for the future is definitely going to pay dividends as you kind of start to sort out international prospects in the evaluation process. 
Yeah, it's a bit of a rat race when you're thinking about going over the Atlantic to scout out prospects that could potentially make an impact at the college level. Greg, it's been happening forever across the Pacific when we look at the state of Hawaii, and there are a lot of difficulties that players from the Aloha State face when they're trying to make their way to the mainland. Yeah, no, I think obviously the, the biggest thing is you have a, you know, a five hour flight to go, you know, pretty much anywhere. Right. And I think Las Vegas is a, is a frequent hotspot. Um, you know, they have the battle in the pylon seven on seven tournaments. But, you know, if you're from Europe, Sweden, Germany, you're from Hawaii, um, you have to be proactive with your recruitment. You really do. You, you know, you're not at a location uh, where you're going to have 50 schools routinely stop by your campus. So, I mean, you have to get out. And I think the kids from Hawaii, you know, we've seen them do it. They'll travel. They'll go anywhere for, for any occasion, whether it be a camp, whether it be a seven-on-seven tournament, um, whether it be somewhere in, in Southern California, whether it be somewhere in the Midwest. Um, you know, I, I think for a lot of college coaches, you know, they do enjoy that trip to Hawaii. I'm sure Cooper enjoyed the trip to Europe. Uh, but for the most part, man, it's, it's a five-hour, you know, 10-hour round trip. And it's it's a lot of work and a lot of coaches don't really want to do that. So um, you kind of have to be you know pretty special if you want to be recruited um, at, the, at a high level. If you're in one of those locations, that's why it's, I think it's important, man. You got to you know be proactive, get outside your comfort zone. Uh, you got to leave the rock, as we call it, head to the mainland and hopefully uh, hopefully get seen and noticed. It's difficult. It costs a lot of money. And I think that's the biggest hurdle, right? When we think about these prospects trying to save up to fly for five hours and get to a camp, which also costs money, the lodgings also cost money, the camp uh, exposure, the, the experience, I think is worth it for a lot of these players. And, and I open it to, to both of you. What have you seen from some of these prospects, especially given the pandemic and, and the elimination of the high school season in 2020, when it comes to them striving to, to make it to college? Well, I think Greg said it. I mean, you got to be proactive, especially with the prospects in Europe. You're not going to get a lot of foot traffic from college football coaches. So as Greg said, these satellite camps become more important in the evaluation process. But what, what I've seen from th these guys, especially in Europe, it's, it's not the caliber of athlete that isn't on par with the American student athlete. It's just where they are in their development. You know, in Germany, the school system over there at the age of 16 or in 10th grade, they have the option uh, or, or they will have the opportunity to have an apprenticeship. And then by the time two years passes, they can either stay on full time uh, with that opportunity or come back to school. So a lot of these guys that we saw in Europe are 18, 19 years old. So not to mention that they haven't played football, American football at a young age. They're playing catch up in that area. But from a physical development standpoint, they're already a, a little bit advanced. And uh, for a college football program uh, with the quality of talent that you're going to find in the States and with the exposure that these prospects have at a young age to American football, uh, it, it hardly compares to what they're going to find in the United States. So that's why I think it's, it's a steep hill to climb uh, in Europe already if you're a European prospect with the aspirations to play college football. Yeah, no, I know, Blair, you touched upon, you know, the pandemic a couple of years ago. And obviously, I'm sure people know Hawaii, they didn't have football at all. You know, out here in California, you know, we had a little five game spring. You call it a COVID season. But in Hawaii, they got, you know, was totally shut down. So uh, there was about a two year window there where kids were not being seen, not able to have spring ball, not having a fall season. And then the following spring ball. So, um, you know, we saw a lot of kids actually transfer off Hawaii and go play somewhere else, you know, on the mainland. 
um, whether it be somewhere in Utah, whether it be somewhere in Nevada. That's pretty steep to have to do that. But, you know, I think what we've seen, and obviously, Blair, you, you know, you cover that state better than anyone. Um, there is talent in Hawaii. You know, there's obviously linemen. I think people know um, that if you want to go find, uh, you know, some big, strong, tough, mean, angry guys, Hawaii is a great place to go. Um, but I think there's underrated skill there as well. And we're seeing that, you know, at Michigan, at UCLA, at Utah, at a number of colleges where you're seeing guys, wide receiver, DBs, linebackers even. Um, kids there are, are really talented. And I always say this, man, the kids from Hawaii, they play with an edge. A little bit of a, I, I think, a little bit more of an added toughness. Um, I think part of it's just kind of how they grow up, you know. Uh, we grew up playing wiffle ball. They grew up, you know, boxing and wrestling and fighting each other just for the fun of it, you know. And that's from me having that, that background, Um so I, I think those kids, man, I think they are very good. Um, maybe not get the exposure. Um, they might be as coached up as well. But I think because of that, I think their ceiling is high when they get to college. They haven't peaked already in high school. So for me, recruiting kids from there, uh, it's a no-brainer. But it, like I said, it is a chore to be seen and also to get over there to see those kids. Yeah, Cooper, it's an interesting dynamic right now, considering that some of these players – didn't get that chance to make an impression, maybe their first or two years of varsity. How difficult is it to evaluate and to stack up the European prospect with players that maybe we see on the mainland? It's very difficult because in the mainland, you know the level of competition. And, and I think that's the most difficult aspect of the evaluation process for college football coaching staffs uh, back in the United States. I think that's really the biggest question that I got coming over from Europe or how do these guys stack up and how do you stack them up against the level of competition uh, on Saturday, the second day uh, of the event in Europe. Uh, it was a padded practice controlled scrimmage. And for a lot of these guys, the first time putting on helmets and shoulder pads. So uh, I think a lot of these kids kind of learning the game for the first time, but they have to make the most out of these limited exposures. And I think that's really the most difficult part of the process. So we talked about it earlier, but uh, uh, for these kids to be successful in their recruitments, a lot of these guys got to get stateside. Uh, and, and thinking back to Amir Kumba, who's a three-star edge out of France committed to Michigan, he came and camped in Ann Arbor uh, last summer and a guy that performed really well later landed an offer and then committed. Same with Max Steege, uh, who worked out for Boise State, was seen at a satellite camp. Uh, and then Andy Avalos and, and company decided to take his commitment. So I think obviously those guys have that in common, but a lot of these staffs, uh, unless a, a prospect is so overwhelmingly gifted uh, and they have somebody there, a credible source that they trust in Europe, it's going to be really difficult for them to take a commitment from a player that they have not seen. So I think when you factor that into the evaluation process, like I said, it's important for these guys to get to the States, be able to interact with the coaching staff, but not only that, be able to impress so much uh, that they will have the opportunity to play college football in America. Yeah, Greg, we saw Hero Canoe, right, a couple years ago, uh, make it out to Southern California, and he got thrown into perhaps the toughest high school football league in, in America, and he more than held his own. Is that the future of college football recruiting when it pertains to some of these players from outside the continental U.S.? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an extreme. You know, I, I don't know if you necessarily have to have someone transfer and come over to you know, the mainland and plab, I think it helped, you know, I think it helped hero that also, you know, he was six, five and two eighty uh, soccer background was actually young for his grand. No coop mentioned. He saw some guys a little bit older, you know, hero played his senior year out here as a 16 year old. You know, there's, a, we see a lot of quarterbacks out here in Southern California that were 16 year old eighth graders. Um, slight exaggeration, but uh, no. So I, I think hero is a player also. I know 
um, you know, friend of the program, Brendan Collier, you know, th those guys, those guys traveled, you know, they did uh, a ton of the satellite camps that Coop alluded to earlier. You know, they went all over the SEC, big 12 country, Pac-12 and camped and got seen, you know, another kid um, from Sweden, Theo Orstrom, who's now at Texas A&M, but, you know, they hit up a bunch of schools and, and you see these guys and obviously, you know, just like our staff, you know, colleges, they're big on physical measurables as well. They want height, weight, speed. They want verifications like us. And I think it's important, you know, again, for those guys to go out and camp and, and get a true height weight, um, see that athleticism, see how it translates to the next level. You talk about comparing. How does this guy compare to this player over here who plays in the States? I think the best way to compare him is to come out here and actually work out. Now, do you have to transfer and play high school ball here? I don't think you have to. I think it helped Hero. Um, but I, I think as long as you're active and, and, you know, do as many camps as you can and get seen by as many coaches as you can, um, you don't necessarily have to leave home to come out here to play your high school ball. Yeah, recruits obviously facing a lot of obstacles and a lot of challenges when it comes to that distance, but that scholarship offer to play college football is ever attractive. And obviously college football programs are also keeping an eye on places like Hawaii and places like Europe. You could follow all the work of Cooper Patagna and Greg Biggins over at 24-7 Sports. Thank you so much for joining us, gentlemen. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There are few words we love more in recruiting than these two. Crystal Ball, our director of recruiting, Steve Wiltfong, making three predictions recently. All quarterbacks, he has Colin Hurley from the class of 2025 going to LSU. In the 2024 class, Jaden Davis selecting Michigan and Julian Sayan headed to Bama. Let's bring in the man who can predict the future, Steve Wiltfong. And speaking of future, Steve, 2025 quarterback Colin Hurley, that is a long ways away. So why do you feel so confident about him this early in the recruiting process? Sometimes predict the future. But uh, <laughs> uh, with Colin Hurley, Hurley and LSU, he's returning for another visit to campus. And this will be his fifth time in Baton Rouge. So obviously uh, he loves LSU uh, and, and wants to keep coming back. They're going to see a night game this weekend against Alabama. And he's clicked with so many people on that staff from Coach Sloan, Coach Denbrock, Coach Kelly, Jordan Arsamont. I just think that LSU has set the tone in this recruitment very early on, close to 30 offers, um, but LSU is the one I'm watching the closest right now. I think everybody is chasing the Bayou Bengals uh, from their the track record that these guys have had, developing quarterbacks, the things he's seen on his visits, uh, the culture of the program. He just loves LSU. 
LSU is hosting a big weekend this weekend, Steve. They bring in Alabama in prime time. Uh, who are you expecting to be in Baton Rouge? Yeah, so LSU has the nation's number seven recruiting class right now, Blair, but they're pushing to be a top five haul here and could be uh, by the end of the week with DJ Chester, top 247 offensive lineman committing on Thursday. But LSU bringing in several more top targets for this one, including five-star cornerback Desmond Ricks, recently reclassified into the 2023 cycle from 2024. And I think the Tigers are the one to beat for the IMG Academy standout. They're also going to get an official visit for from him at the end in, in December. Alabama is the other school I'm watching uh, closely in this one. So I, I think that's the top two. Then you have Florida hanging around in there. They're going to get an official visit the first weekend in December. And then USC is the fourth program for Desmond Ricks. Uh, uh, that could also get an official visit from him before he makes a, a college decision. And then JV and Tobiano is a top 247 cornerback from the Lone Star State, who I've had forecasted to LSU for a while now. now. He may end up visiting Oregon later this month, but I think that LSU has set the tone in this recruitment. And I talked to his mom this morning, Sharon, and she said, we know everything about LSU. We've been there so many times. Excited to see a big game this weekend, kind of like Colin Hurley, kind of like uh, uh, what, what Desmond Rick's dad told me today. Uh, they just love the people at LSU and love the atmosphere. Everybody's excited to see a big crowd. Uh, uh, I'm talking to Grace Remington on, on Wilt Fong Whiparound. She, she, she's highlighted that atmosphere, and Death Valley is one of the best in college football that she's seen. So these kids coming in that's going to visit this weekend, including four-star safety Isaac Smith, who LSU probably leads for uh, – Tigers sitting pretty with several prospects coming into a huge game for them. Yeah, LSU fans very happy about the last few things that you just told us there. All right, the number two quarterback in the 24 class, Jaden Davis. He just wrapped up his fourth visit to Michigan this past weekend. And Steve, looks like he's going to be spending a lot more weekends in Ann Arbor. What was the difference maker for the Wolverines here? Well, that's the way it's trending. I think Michigan's the one to beat for Jaden Davis as he continues through his process, and they have been for a while. It's uh, his fourth visit of the calendar year, his second game. He was also at the season uh, at, at the win uh, over Hawaii in September. Returns this weekend for this past weekend for the big win over Michigan State, and they continue to really click with Jim Harbaugh, Coach Weiss and company, uh, the Davis family, and the McCarthy family. Starting quarterback JJ McCarthy, they've really clicked. Uh, uh, what Michigan offers off the field has really resonated with Jaden and his mom and his family. And uh, I just think every time he visits, he loves it. So Michigan has set the tone in a recruitment that also includes Clemson, North Carolina, Tennessee, uh, Texas A&M might get a visit. Those are some of the other contenders, but everybody chasing Michigan, in my opinion, for Jaden Davis. Steve, I think we all know that in recruiting, timing is, is everything. How hard is Jim Harbaugh pushing for an early commitment from Jaden Davis? I don't think they're pushing for a commitment. They're letting Jaden do things on his own time and his own schedule. Obviously, they know that they're in good position uh, with Jaden Davis, as he certainly expressed that. Jim Harbaugh went down there during his bye week, and Coach Matt Weiss stuck around and went to the game that night. And I think that you know Michigan's patient with Jaden. They're certainly not pushing for any other quarterbacks right now. Uh, that's the guy that they want. They're in great position for him, and I think they'll wait it out. You know, Jaden has talked in the past about wanting to take some official visits. I don't know if it'll go uh, into official visit season for him now. He's been able to take so many trips. He landed his first offer from Georgia in eighth grade. Then Alabama offered the next day. So he's visited Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, no, uh, Michigan, uh, North Carolina so many times. Tennessee, he's made the rounds. Uh, uh, but Michigan is, is the one that I think leads right now. And 
you know, I think Coach Harbaugh and company are kind of letting them do it on his schedule. <laughs> All right, another coveted quarterback out of the 2024 class, Julian Sayan. You are crystal balling him to Alabama. Not sure if it's a verb, but I'm going to use it anyway. He will make his official commitment tomorrow, Steve. How'd the Tide become the leader in the clubhouse with him? Well, I think just their track record at quarterback, particularly most recently with Bryce Young, they use some of the same quarterback trainers. And I think Julian sees a little bit of himself and Bryce Young from a frame standpoint and game standpoint. And uh, so I think that uh, Bryce Young's uh, meeting his potential at Alabama has been real exciting for a guy like Julian Sand. Now, certainly LSU gave him a lot to think about. There was a time where Georgia was the leader in the clubhouse, but coming down the stretch, coming out of a, a recent visit to Alabama, which I believe was for the Mississippi State game, a night game uh, there in Tuscaloosa, I think that Alabama is in control of this recruitment going into his commitment this week. And Greg Biggins, who y'all just had on in the last segment, was the first crystal ball forecast. And, and so anytime my crystal ball aligns with Greg Biggins, I feel really good about it. I love it. It's teamwork here at 24-7 Sports. Steve, we got some breaking news here. You are ready to make a crystal ball projection for the number two wide receiver in the 2024 class. His name is Ryan Wingo. Where is he headed? Well, I don't know if he's headed there, but I think that Tennessee think is the headed? one to beat right now in his <laughs> recruitment. I think that they've set the tone talking to people uh, around Ryan. And, and certainly when you look at Tennessee right now, they're number one in the nation in total offense. They're number one in the nation in passing offense. They're number one in the nation in pass efficiency offense. That checks the box on field. He was in that. He was inside Neyland Stadium uh, to watch Tennessee knock off Alabama. So saw a tremendous atmosphere there. Then he's just built a tremendous uh, uh, relationship with Tennessee staff. There isn't one recruiting him harder at this point, including Coach Heupel, who's been real inspirational for. Uh, Mr. Wingo here, and and, and uh, he just really thinks that that's a staff that he could thrive under. Now, again, there's other schools in the mix. He's been this young man's been to be, been to just about every big game uh, of the season. And he was at Michigan this past week. Notre Dame's in there. Texas A&M's done a terrific job recruiting him. Oregon's pushing hard. Arkansas, his older brother, played at Arkansas. Uh, so those are some of the other schools that are are in the thick of it. I just like where Tennessee stands right now, and I want people to be able to come to 24/7 Sports if I feel like I have a pulse on a recruitment I want them to know what it is and I like where Tennessee stands right now with this young man but as Blair knows tides change sometimes but Tennessee in good position with the St. Louis standout yeah Steve considering the buzz that the Vols have on the recruiting trail and the momentum that they've obviously put together on the field how much of a snowball effect could this have on the 2024 class considering what we've already seen from them well, I think it's a perfect storm for them, Blair, because not only are they producing on the field, they've come out of nowhere really to be a national title contender. This year they went from, in the snap of fingers, a program on the rise to a championship contender. And I don't remember – I can't remember the last time that's happened in, in, in college football. So that's been certainly impressive. They're way ahead of schedule on the field. But this coaching staff from Coach Heupel in the corner office on down seems to be doing a great job of building genuine relationships with top targets. And certainly uh, uh, Tennessee's in a good spot from an NL, NLI perspective, but on-field success and uh, uh, relationships the coaching staff is making with prospects, they got it going in every, in, in every facet of their program right now. Yeah, if I'm a wide receiver, I want to be a part of that Josh Heupel offense. Well, lastly, four-star offensive tackle DJ Chester. He is committing on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page on Thursday, so you're not going to have to wait too long to find out where's, where he's headed. Steve, you haven't given a crystal ball for him, but where are you leaning right now? 
Yeah, I've posted on our LSU site that I like uh, where the Tigers stand with DJ Chester. I think that they're the one to beat uh, for LSU. So consider this my crystal ball prediction along with what I told our LSU readers. They can consider that the crystal ball prediction. But Brad Davis, uh, LSU's offensive line coach, uh, that's someone that he views as a, a potential great mentor for him. Now, he's taken a lot of visits too. Went to Michigan twice, been to Auburn several times, been to Florida State and Ole Miss a handful of times also. I just think he's gotten that feeling at LSU and what Brian Kelly and that new staff are doing there is really exciting for a lot of their top targets. I think this one is trending their way. Brad Davis has done an excellent job. This is one of my favorite offensive linemen in, in the class, six foot five, 300 pounds with tremendous wingspan, massive hands, can move. He's athletic and he's uber smart. So this is a guy that checks all the boxes, be a major pickup for LSU as they try and get even more uh, uh, dominant at the point of attack for years to come. Playing a lot of young guys right now, DJ Chester is, is a young man that can come in and, and push that room. Awesome, Steve. Thank you so much. We'll make sure to add a little warning. Things are subject to change, but we appreciate you doing your best to predict the future here. Be sure to check out new episodes of the Wilt Fong Whip Around dropping every Monday and Friday on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. Blair, this is what we meant when we talk about the quarterback dominoes here on this show. They are starting to fall, so get that popcorn ready. But of these three guys that he mentioned, who do you see making the biggest impact? Yeah, for me, it's Jaden Davis, considering the battle that they're in with, right? The Georgias, the Clemsons, the Tennessees, schools that he's visited as well. And this would give Jim Harbaugh some stability in the next class. They lost out on CJ Carr. They lost out on Dante Moore. They need a big-time quarterback in 24 to continue building, to continue garnering some of the attention from other recruits that potentially want to catch passes from Jaden Davis. He would be, I think, the perfect impact player from a recruiting perspective. And then obviously what he's able to do on the field speaks for itself. Very dynamic. Uh, a bit of a J.J. McCarthy. I know the Michigan fans have been clamoring for him to be the full-time guy for such a long time. Uh, and Jaden Davis could potentially follow in his footsteps as well. Yeah, we know Harbaugh has been so close on landing that big fish at the quarterback position. This would be the one. Blair, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. He's Blair Angulo. I'm Emily Trout. This is the College Football Recruiting Show. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.